Welcome to Barry Pirro's Haunted Happenings Podcast, where I share in-depth stories of the paranormal, the supernatural, and the unexplained. So turn off your lights, sit back, and prepare to be scared. Sunday, August 4th, 1577, St. Mary's Church, Bungay, England. Little Agnes Woodgate gazed up at the beautiful wooden angel that peered down at her from the church ceiling. There were twelve angels perched up there high above the congregation, but Agnes's attention was always drawn to the one directly in the center. Like the other eleven, this one's hair was painted a pretty goldenrod yellow, and her feathered wings were done up in a brilliant red and green. Although the angel was very high up, Agnes could see that her eyes were closed and that she held an inverted, triangular-shaped shield over her chest. I wonder what she's trying to protect herself from, Agnes thought. If she's an angel, then she has magical powers. I know that if I had such magic, I wouldn't need a silly shield. I shouldn't be afraid of anything. Perhaps she only keeps it handy in order to throw at people when they stop paying attention to the service. Agnes giggled at her own joke, and her mother gave her a stern look, so she brought her attention back to her surroundings as everyone waited for the service to start. She and her mother sat at the end of the row closest to the windows, but not much light came in through them today. It was a dark, rainy, windy morning, and all of the families were huddled a little closer together for warmth. Just as the service was about to get underway, the church grew suddenly dark. The wind had picked up outside, and leaves, small branches, and other debris began peppering the windows. The church doors, which had been closed tight against the approaching weather, were now rattling violently. Overhead, the church bell started ringing repeatedly as the wind blew fiercely in and around the belfry. Everyone looked around the church uneasily, then towards the pastor, as if he might be able to provide some protection from the sudden tempest, but he looked as concerned as the rest of the congregation. Agnes huddled closer to her mother and buried her head in her coat. I'm afraid, mother, she said. I've never seen such a storm as this before. Now, now, there's no need to be afraid, her mother said soothingly. It's just some nasty weather that blew up rather quickly, but we're safe. This is the largest building in all of Bungay, so nothing can harm us here. The storm should pass us by soon enough. But instead of abating, the storm intensified. The wind grew stronger and it whistled through the cracks in the doors and windows, growing in pitch until the entire church vibrated with a piercing shriek. Agnes peeked out from beneath her mother's coat just long enough to see that families and friends were now clinging to one another. Suddenly, a deafening clap of thunder shook the church as lightning struck the spire. At that very instant, the doors burst in, and along with the swirling wind and driving rain came something that many say came straight from the depths of hell itself. A huge, hulking creature in the shape and likeness of a great black dog. The terror
terrible beast was far larger than a regular dog, and sinewy muscles rippled beneath its shaggy black hide as it walked slowly and purposefully through the doors. Its head was lowered almost to the ground, and its back arched as it eyed the congregation warily. Then without warning, the fiend suddenly rushed down the center aisle with terrific speed, its eyes flashing fire and its tongue lolling out of its half-open mouth. The beast appeared to study each parishioner as it went along. Those brave enough to look at the monster said that its filthy matted fur was caked with blood and with what appeared to be bits of brain and bone. White foam dripped from the corners of its gaping mouth, which reeked of death and decay. The priest stood his ground near the altar. Depart, Lucifer, he said in a strong but quivering voice. You have no power here. This is the house of the Lord. But the black dog took no notice. The fiend slowed its pace and eyed a couple in the first row. The two had their eyes riveted on the crucifix that sat behind the altar, and they were praying fervently aloud. With one swift leap, the black devil was upon them. Its mouth opened so wide that it caught both their necks in its vice-like jaws, then shook them back and forth like ragdolls. Then, with one last mighty jerk of its head, it flung the lifeless bodies across the pew. They struck the wall with a sickening thud and landed in a heap. Agnes's mother considered running from the church with her daughter, but she saw the futility of this as the beast was so close. She held the girl's head down in her lap. Don't look, she cried. Don't look at it. The black dog was just five rows ahead, and she feared that if her daughter looked into the devil's eyes, she might be its next victim. Then, with horror beyond all imagination, she watched as the black creature walked stealthily down the center aisle toward their pew. A gentleman was sitting at the end of the bench closest to where the dog approached, and as the beast got nearer, the man began to slide closer and closer towards Agnes. But in an instant, the black beast was upon him. Its enormous mouth opened wide and sank its razor-sharp fangs deep into the man's flesh, latching onto his back as if it had caught a rabbit or some other small creature. Then it slowly dragged the man across the pew and away from the girl. The poor man screamed in terror, and its fingernails left long scrapes on the bench as he tried to save himself from being pulled away. Then, something absolutely terrifying began to happen. The man appeared to shrink up as if his insides were being slowly sucked out of him. His body began to deflate, and he sank lower and lower onto the pew before collapsing like an empty sack. The beast's eyes flashed fire in triumph, and it let out an unearthly cry. Then it began to shake and convulse violently as if in ecstasy at the taste of human blood. The creature took one last sly look around the church, roared loudly, then raced back up the aisle and fled into the still raging storm. Those who turned to watch the fiend's retreat said that its foul feet left fiery footprints as it fled, and within minutes the storm ceased and all was quiet.
A short time later, the same black dog appeared at Holy Trinity Church a few miles away at Blytheburg. In this case, the doors burst open after being struck by lightning. The black beast ran through the doors, leapt up onto one of the high rafters, then swung down through the church where it killed two men and a young boy. One parishioner who inadvertently touched the creature burned his hand as if it had been thrust into a raging fire. After the monstrous black dog had had its fill, it retreated up the center aisle, through the church doors, and out into the storm. To this day, long dark scorch marks cover the door, reminding residents of the strange and terrible visitation by the black murderous beast. In and around Bungay and Blytheburg, the people have a name for the creature that invaded their town that day. He's known as Black Shuck. Black Shuck is just one of many stories of demonic black dog sightings across England. The beasts are usually described as being unnaturally large, sometimes the size of a horse. They're covered with shaggy black fur, and their glowing red, yellow, or orange eyes are said to look right into the depths of one's soul. Some black dogs have very distinctive and unsettling features. The black dog of Boulay, for example, is described as a monstrous black hound with eyes the size of saucers and a chain which it drags behind it as if to warn victims of its coming. The Devil's Dandy Dogs from Cornish are huge black dogs with horns and they breathe fire. Gabriel hounds are depicted as flying dogs with human heads. They are often heard but seldom seen, and they sometimes hover over a house where a death or some other misfortune is about to occur. The Yeth hound is particularly terrible looking as it's said to be headless. Legend has it that the dog is the spirit of an unbaptized child that wanders through the dark woods of Devon. It makes wailing and crying sounds like that of a baby, and it's said that anyone who hears its cry will die. Though it's never a good idea to go looking for one of these nightmarish creatures, if you really feel the need, there are plenty of places to start. Black dogs are associated with crossroads, ancient burial grounds, and places of execution. Since they often appear on stormy nights, they're also associated with lightning. There's one famous black dog story that sounds as if it was lifted right out of a horror film. It dates back to 1596 with the publication of The Discovery of a London Monster Called the Black Dog of Newgate. According to the story, during the reign of King Henry III, a terrible famine hit England, and the conditions at Newgate Prison were so horrendous, and the famine was so bad, that the prisoners resorted to cannibalism. One day, a new prisoner was detained at the prison as he awaited trial. He was reputed to be a sorcerer, and he was charged with witchcraft and accused of being in league with the devil. One night, several inmates ganged up on the man. They killed him, then feasted on his body. Soon after, the murderers began seeing the specter of a monstrous black dog walking up and down the dark prison hallways at night. Then, each night, 
The devilish black dog systematically hunted down the guilty men one at a time and slaughtered each of them in their cells. The beast tore the men apart limb by limb, then ate their flesh just as they had eaten the sorcerer's flesh. In the morning, the only thing that remained was a bloody scattering of bones. The last few guilty inmates were nearly mad with fear, as they knew that there was no escaping the wrath of the beast that stalked them at the prison. So they murdered the guards and broke out of Newgate. The men split up and went their separate ways. Some hid in remote parts of the countryside, others to cover in London. But there was no hiding from the black dog of Newgate. It pursued the escapees wherever they went, often toying with them by appearing in the dark with its red glowing eyes, then suddenly disappearing. One by one, each of the few remaining guilty inmates were hunted down, viciously slaughtered, and devoured by the spectral beast. But that's not the end of the story. After taking revenge on the murderers, the Black Dog of Newgate continued to haunt the prison for more than 400 years. Although the prison has long since been torn down, the one wall that remains standing continues to be haunted to this very day. It was once part of Dead Man's Walk, a passage that was used to convey condemned criminals as they were led to their execution. It's also the place where their bodies were buried afterward. Many passers-by have witnessed a shapeless black mass that glides around the courtyard and slithers along the top of the wall before leaping down and vanishing. The specter gives off a disgusting smell, and it's often accompanied by the sound of dragging feet, a noise reminiscent of prisoners trudging along to their deaths. In Wakefield, England, is the black hound known as Padfoot. Its name comes from the light padding sound its feet make as it follows people as they walk at night. The beast then suddenly appears in front of the person or at their side before vanishing into thin air. Padfoot's cry is unlike that of any known animal. Some describe it as a roar. Sometimes, the trailing of a heavy metal chain can be heard along with the padding of its feet. Similar to a banshee, if you hear Padfoot's cry or the sound of its ghostly feet, it means that you or someone you know will soon die. If Padfoot follows you home, it's best to leave it alone, as those who try to speak to the beast or to attack it will be under its spell for life. But sometimes, the black beast seems to have a sense of humor. Case in point is the tale of a man who tried to kick the beast when it suddenly appeared in front of him one night as he was walking home. The man suddenly found himself being dragged by the monster through hedges, across fields and ditches, all the way to his house. The man was let off easy, as Padfoot left him bruised and scratched, but relatively unharmed. Another gentleman didn't fare so well when he encountered a ghastly white Padfoot. The man attempted to strike the dog with a stick, but it passed right through it as if it was made of mist. The man was so afraid that he ran all the way home. Soon after, he became sick and died. One of the strangest and well-documented black dog stories comes from Northshire, England. In the 1950s, the Reverend Donald Omond, an exorcist, 
received a letter from a schoolmaster. It told of his encounter with a spectral black hound in the tiny village of Kettleness. The schoolmaster reported that he and his two friends were walking along the cliff that overlooked the sea when they witnessed a terrifying sight. As they were looking down at the beach, a huge black hound appeared out of nowhere. The beast was so large that it simply could not be of this world. They watched in horror as the black creature began moving slowly and stealthily along the beach, then started climbing the cliff towards them. Just as the men were about to make their retreat, the horrible black dog disappeared as silently and mysteriously as it had come. After the encounter, the men were left with such a strong sense of evil and foreboding that they were convinced that the dog was a demonic entity. They felt that an exorcist should be consulted, so the schoolmaster contacted Reverend Omond, and he asked the Reverend if he would come to Kettleness to conduct an exorcism at the place where the black dog had appeared. Reverend Omond was intrigued by the story, so he agreed to take the trip to Kettleness to investigate the sighting. He met the schoolmaster at Scarborough Station, and the two immediately headed for the beach where the black dog had been seen. It was dusk by the time they arrived, and the two men walked along the shoreline where the beast had materialized a few days earlier. They hoped it would make another appearance. As they looked up and down the beach, Reverend Omen joked, All we need now is for Dracula to come bounding ashore in the form of a great black dog. Suddenly, the schoolmaster gripped Omen by the arm and pointed down the beach. There stood a huge black hound larger than any canine species known to man, and it eyed the men suspiciously. Then, without warning, the monstrous black dog took off running, headed straight in the men's direction. The schoolmaster became so frightened that he scrambled back up the cliff and rushed back to his car. But Reverend Omond stood his ground. He took out a bottle of holy water and said in a strong, loud voice, be gone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be gone to the place appointed for you there to remain forever. Be gone in the holy name of Christ. Then he splashed holy water in the direction of the ghastly apparition, and the black dog vanished into a silvery mist just as suddenly as it had materialized. To be sure that the beast was gone for good, Reverend Omond went to the spot where the specter had stood and he performed the rite of exorcism. The Reverend reported that when the ceremony was completed, a great heaviness went out of the atmosphere and the menace of kettleness was ended. Now when the Reverend joked about Dracula coming on shore, he must have been aware that in Bram Stoker's book Dracula, the author mentions kettleness. Stoker wrote, before the sun dipped below the black mass of Kettleness, standing boldly against the western sky, its downward way was marked by myriad clouds of every sunset color flame, purple, pink, green, violet, and all tints of gold. In the book, Dracula first sets foot on Whitby, a town just a few miles from Kettleness, and he takes the form of a huge dog. Stoker wrote, the very instant the shore was touched, an immense dog sprang up on deck from below, as if shot up by the concussion, and running forward, jumped from the bow onto the sand. Making straight for the steep cliff, it disappeared in the darkness. 
It's no coincidence that Stoker mentions cattleness and Whitby in his book. In the summer of 1890, the author spent four weeks in Whitby. He actually started writing Dracula while staying there. Some believe that he witnessed a black dog while visiting Kettleness, and that it was his own personal experience with the hound that inspired the scene where the vampire comes ashore as a huge dog. Black dogs seem to have many different purposes. They may act as a harbinger of death, as a deadly means of revenge for some wrong committed, or even as a guardian for those traveling alone at night. But whatever purpose they may serve, one thing is for certain. Black dogs are truly mysterious beings. Although we've only explored tales of black dog sightings in England, rest assured, these horrific beasts have been seen all over the world, maybe even in your own neighborhood. So the next time you're out walking alone at night and the wind is blowing softly through the trees, listen carefully. The sound of the soft padding of feet behind you or the dragging of a heavy chain isn't just a figment of your imagination. Nor is the hot breath you might feel on the back of your neck or the stench of death that accompanies it. Just keep walking as fast as you can and whatever you do, don't dare look back. Because if the monstrous black dog with the dripping open mouth that is close at your heels ever catches up with you, its next meal is certain to be your oh-so-tasty flesh.